you how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling for couples therapy. So why is emotional connection so hard? I think it's because of this one little ingredient. Connection requires vulnerability. And vulnerability is kind of like jumping off a cliff. You take a big leap of faith and you hope someone is there to catch you. And if your life experiences are anything like mine, you know that sometimes people catch you and sometimes they don't. At times, jumping off that cliff is like falling into a soft, cushy landing that makes you feel safe and at home. At other times you leap and it's a crash landing. It feels like all your limbs are broken, but the pain of your limbs is nothing compared to that deep ache in your soul. Connection is really, really hard. And let's talk about why. As human beings, we have fundamental needs for connection, belonging, acceptance. These are called attachment needs. Our nervous systems are deeply linked and regulated to the nervous systems of of the people around us. Humans are in fact a social creature. This is why the pandemic has been so hard for so many of us. Although many of our basic needs are thought to be food, water, shelter, connection and belonging are basic too. It's funny because though many humans are quite similar, we are also very different. We are born with different temperaments, which is just our innate disposition, which is how we see the world, how we feel inside our skin. Some of us skip down the street with a smile on our faces, while others of us feel like our legs are made of lead and turning our frown upside down feels like a nightmare. These are just two examples of different temperaments, different dispositions, but it can be everything and in between. We all come to this world with a different temperament and we all have connection needs. To connect, some of us like touch, some of us like words of affirmation, some of us like quality time, others like acts of service, some of us connect through gifts. What connection is, is different to each of us. And so people get quite confusing because while we are all innately different people, we also have different ways that we wanna be connected with. And then everything gets even even more complicated with our life experiences. Some of us, if we were so lucky, grew up in families that had positive and loving life experiences that were shown acceptance and belonging, and some of us didn't. Some of us got parents that were unavailable or unresponsive. Some of us got parents that were sick. Some parents abandoned us. Or maybe we got lovers that we grew up being really into that left us and hurt us. Some of us have gone through trauma. No matter the experience, our experience shapes the way we see the world. These experiences shape the way we do connection and they shape the way we want and feel safe with connection. There are six core attachment needs. They're to feel special, 
to feel that your need, your emotional needs are cared about even if they're not understood, to know you're wanted, to know that your person is going to be there if you need them, to know that for your partner or your person to know that vulnerability is hard for you and to feel valued and respected. Now, although these needs are fairly universal, because of the experiences we have gone through, how we need these needs met is different. I'm going to tell you the story of Susan and Mark. Mark was a great athlete as a child. He ran like the wind and could, and could shoot a three-pointer consistently by the time he was like seven. He was also rambunctious, strong-willed, and a little defiant. He found himself constantly in trouble. He found solace in being with his buddies and playing sports. Because he was yelled at for things he felt he couldn't control, he became sensitive to raised voices and being in trouble. He has a memory of being yelled at in a class by a teacher, and following that, he headed off to basketball practice. With tears streaming down his face, he walked into the locker room. The coach went up to him and initially hugged him and was there for him emotionally. But after practice, the coach called him aside and told him to never show emotion because it made him look weak. This experience changed Mark's world forever. His coach was someone he valued tremendously, and that was the last time Mark ever cried. Today, he is sensitive to his partner raising her voice. He shouts right down. He feels like he needs to protect against the vulnerability, being in that vulnerable position of being weak. For him, really knowing him, knowing his emotions are cared about, even if they're not understood, means his partner needs to be aware that if she yells at him, he will shut down and disengage. He feels cared about and respected when she can communicate her needs without raising her voice, no matter how mad she is. Because for him, being yelled at is too vulnerable. His attachment need is to feel safe with her, even if she doesn't understand. Susan grew up in a very different home where they talked about everything, including emotions. At the dinner table, they were loud, yelling, crying, telling, and tears were part of a regular Tuesday. It was normal to her. When she fell in love with Mark, she appreciated how they could talk about things, how lustful and how special they felt, things felt until they had their first fight. Then she raised her voice. She had been taught for her entire life that it was okay until he emotionally disengaged and walked out and didn't call her for three days. She felt heartbroken, deprived, and bitterly lonely. She didn't feel respected that he could go three days without talking to her. She didn't feel wanted. She just felt like he couldn't be there when she needed him. As you can hear in their background stories, their individual experiences shaped their expectations of what it meant for their needs to be met. It was neither of their fault that at times they struggled to connect. Rather, it was their conditioning, their beliefs, their values, their expectations about what it meant to be connected. Most people aren't taught about attachment or communication. No wonder we struggle to communicate with people, especially the people we love the most. People are kind of like plants. We all need our attachment needs to be met, but how we need them met is what makes emotional connection so hard. Most plants need water, they need sunlight. But if you're anything like me, somehow just adding water and placing these plants by the window, well, mine always turn out kind of brown and droopy and their leaves are falling off. Whereas my husband can put some water in a plant and place it by the window and they grow big and tall and green. Something about the way I'm attempting to meet this plant's needs are kind of off. If we approach our partner expecting things to be how we want them to be, we might be missing 
the connecting link. Just like with a plant, we need to approach them just right so that they flourish and that they grow. Some plants need to be watered daily. Some plants need to be watered with an ice cube and other plants need to be watered once a month. Once a month. This is why emotional connection is so hard. So even though plants come with directions, most of the time, if you read them, you can figure out for the most part how to keep your plant alive. People don't really come with directions. You need to pay attention to what they need and you need to share with each other how to create connection that works for you both. And just note, connection for you each will be different. For some people, connection is about long conversations about personal things. For others, it's a five minute chat about their favorite sports teams. For some people, it's talking about goals and dreams. And for others, it's sitting in a comfortable silence while you hold hands. You'll see that these ways of connection are different. And if you're feeling like maybe you need a little help connecting with your partner to learn how to communicate, I could probably help you. Many couples have different communication styles and that does get in the way of them feeling truly seen and heard by each other. A lot of them want to get out of the negative cycle that creates distant and resentment between them. They do want strategies to overcome that lonely and disconnected feeling so they can feel certain they can respectfully address issues and find peace and increase the love between them. I've got a brand new monthly membership program designed to help couples create the tools to respectfully get empathetic and harmonious communication to help them feel truly connected. So this program is for couples that get stuck in cycles where one of you pursues conversation while the other one gets defensive or disengages. If you notice you have different communication styles and you end up both feeling different, different. You both feel unheard, misunderstood, even disrespected. Maybe you notice you're both putting walls up that maintain the distance between you. So if you know your communication styles are different and they're building a wall between you, check out the membership for strategies to help you to lower the drawbridge. So together you can use communication to find your way back together. This membership is on sale till April 30th. So you have just a few days to get enrolled. So now you've learned why emotional connection is so hard. It's because we're different and being vulnerable is different and having our core needs met is different. We have to pay very close and careful attention to our partners so that we can meet their needs and they can meet ours. And you gotta know that it takes effort and work and practice and persistence, but you can create a very rich emotional connection if you put in some work. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.